Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call.
which points towards encouraging prospects for the remainder of 2021. From a development perspective, we added three new active TMS centers during Q1-21, with an additional nine TMS centers in development, bringing the total company network to 128 TMS centers as of March 31, 2021, increasing from 124 in Q1 2020. We expect an acceleration in development through 2021 as we begin to move forward with opportunities that were previously paused or delayed by the COVID-19 pandemic. We are also particularly pleased with several other milestones for the company and in the industry. We successfully rolled out the Spravato pilot program building on our long-term business plan of utilizing our TMS centers as platforms for delivery of innovative treatments to patients suffering from NDD and other mental health disorders. A key part of our strategy is to take advantage of our network of TMS centers and affiliated physicians as a service delivery platform providing a community-based approach to mental health services. We're also very pleased with the progress made in this strategy through the Spravato pilot and are excited to continue to develop this program. Through the Spravato pilot, our Greenbrook affiliated physicians found the treatment to be clinically useful, with some patients who were not responsive to other treatments responding well to Spravato. No adverse patient events were experienced during the pilot, and operationally, the administration of Spravato did not disrupt TMS operations, and the observation period was extremely well tolerated. And we are already collected a significant portion of the expected revenue from treatments performed during Q1 2021. The administration of Spravato complements TMS therapy as an additional modality for treatment failures with some patients preferring to be referred to TMS therapy once stabilized. Patients who previously did not respond to TMS therapy made up the largest portion of patients during the Spravato pilot program illustrating the potential for previous TMS therapy patients to receive Spravato therapy and vice versa. We believe that offering Spravato treatments will enable us to serve a wider range of patients suffering treatment-resistant depression. Based on those promising findings, we expect to expand our offering to Spravato to an additional five to six TMS centers, bring our total to 10 to 12 TMS Greenbrook centers offering Spravato. We will also explore opportunities to first utilize the buy and, bill me buy and bill method where possible from a regulatory perspective, which could potentially enhance the economics associated with delivery Spravato. And second, explore offering Spravato using mid-level practitioners such as nurse practitioners or physician assistants. At the same time, continue to collaborate with device manufacturers to expand the range of indications for TMS. On April 29, 2021, our Richmond Heights, Missouri TMS Center was named as one of the participating centers in Brainsway's rollout of its smoking cessation TMS therapy. Brainsway recently received FDA clearance for the use of their H4 coil TMS device in aiding short-term smoking cessation. From a financing perspective, due to the market conditions, we've decided to temporarily delay pricing for the previous announced equity offering. However, we continue to experience strong interest in our company and a strong base of supportive existing shareholders. We expect to move forward with an appropriate structure as conditions stabilize. And now, for a more detailed review of the company's financial and operating performance, I will turn it over to CFO Ernest Loopshire. 
Thank you, Bill. Um, as Bill mentioned, despite the impact of COVID-19 and adverse weather events, which caused the closure of some of our centers during the quarter, revenue bounced back strongly from Q4 2020, increasing by 14% to 11.3 million. Revenue remained flat year over year, which represents a return to pre-COVID levels, with treatment volumes exceeding Q1 2020 by 9%. Average revenue per treatment for Q1 2021 was 217, representing a 19% quarter-over-quarter increase compared to Q4 2020, Q4 2020 at 182. This was primarily attributable to a reduction in the provision for adjustment to variable consideration as billing enhancements and the recredentialing process started to yield results. Year-over-year -year average revenue per treatment decreased by 9% to 217 in Q1 2021 as compared to Q1 2020, largely due to the provision for adjustment to variable consideration, paired with a lower contribution from the higher reimbursement jurisdictions. To be very clear, there has been no changes in reimbursement levels, and we expect this metric to continue to normalize through 2021. Same region sales growth was negative 6%, largely as a result of adverse weather events experienced in some of our, our more established regions. Moving to regional operating income. Q1 2021 resulted in an entity-wide regional operating loss of 1.5 million as compared to an entity-wide regional operating loss of 2.1 million in Q4 2020, and an entity-wide regional operating income of 700,000 in Q1 2020. This is largely associated with lower revenue per treatment as a result of provisions against revenue and strategic marketing spend to take advantage of the leading integrated momentum, as Bill alluded to earlier, we experienced in the latter part of Q1 2021. In addition, the inclusion of nine newly active TMS centers and nine TMS centers in development impacted the loss position. Year-over-year -year aggregate corporate costs increased by 22% to 4.7 million for Q1 2021 as compared to Q1 2020. This is primarily as a result of costs associated with the deferral payment in respect of achieved TMS earn-out consideration and one-time NASDAQ listing related professional and legal fees. On a normalized basis, year-over-year -year corporate, corporate costs increased by only 8%. The business continues to scale into its cost structure with treatment growth eclipsing the rate of corporate GNA growth. The loss for the period in comprehensive loss increased by 85% to 7.8 million during Q1 2021, compared to Q1 2020 of 4.2 million. This was predominantly due to lower revenue per treatment, as previously mentioned, and increased marketing spend. In addition, the inclusion of nine newly active TMS centers and nine TMS centers in development impact the loss position. From a balance sheet perspective, the accounts receivable balance remained stable. As of March 31, 2021, we had approximately 5.9 million in cash on hand. As Bill mentioned earlier, we're in the process of securing additional financing to manage our liquidity position. Moving to our core operating metrics. As Bill mentioned earlier, we continue to show record growth in all our key operating metrics with record highs in new patient starts and consultation performance towards the end of Q1 2021 indicating a positive upward momentum into Q2. As at the end of Q1 2021, the active TMS centers increased by 8% to 119 from 110 a year ago. Total number of TMS centers grew by 3% year over year. We experienced a low growth in this metric as a result of a temporary pause in development in response to the pandemic. 
The year-over-year -year number of consult consultations performed increased by 52% to a record 3,591 as compared to Q1 2020. We increased the number of TMS treatments performed by 9% to 52,126 as compared to Q1 2020. New patient starts increased to a record of 1,583 in Q1 2021 and 11% uh, 11 increase compared to Q4 2020 and a 19% increase compared to Q1 2020. The strong upward trend in all leading indicators speaks to our sound business fundamentals and positions us very well for future growth. Back to you, Bill. Thanks, Ernst. As you heard from Ernst, we produced strong growth in key operating metrics during what has been a challenging quarter in terms of the resurgence of COVID-19 and adverse weather events. We are particularly proud of our exit run rate in all metrics for Q1 2021, which demonstrates our ability to reach new patients during this difficult time. We're also very pleased with the results of the Spravato pilot and look forward to expanding that program. Our business is positioned stronger than ever to take advantage of new TMS indications, new treatment modalities, and new expansion opportunities, both through organic TMS growth and M&A. The need for mental health support is at an all-time high, and we are well-positioned to support patients suffering from treatment-resistant depression and OCD. We have now treated over 17,000 patients with over 620,000 treatments performed, a significant positive impact on the lives of so many patients suffering from mental health disorders. We look forward to keeping you updated on the progress of the company throughout 2021. Thank you for your time today, and with op operator, we will now take questions. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Noah Atkinson with Claris Securities. And well done overall in Q1. Um, just a, a few questions for me. So. First, uh, you mentioned in the prepared remarks that uh, March was really strong in terms of revenue. Um, can you give us a sense of, you know, how strong it was relative to the rest of Q1 and how much of that was sort of catch up with the, you know, from the severe weather? Uh, yeah, Noel, thanks for the question. Good to hear from you. Um, March itself was a record-breaking month in all key metrics uh, in terms of consultations, new patient starts, treatments and really high revenue. There was a slow start to the quarter, as we talked about, caused by COVID pandemic, and more importantly, the weather issues, which included a shutdown of Texas due to the power grid outage. But uh, March was, uh, from our end, um, significantly uh, one of the best months we've ever had. Okay, great. Um, and in terms of the procedure volumes, you know, uh, what are you seeing in terms of people coming back for maintenance and booster sessions. How, how important is that to the, the growth right now? In terms of, um, we, we typically see um, kind of a 20% return rate from, from a maintenance and, and retreatment perspective. As we've mentioned before, retreatment is covered by insurance um, and, and we see about 20% of our, our patients coming back for retreatment. So um, that, that's, uh, 20% of the responders coming back for retreatment. Um, 
and as as we've mentioned before, um, there's a significant um, efficacy as it re as it relates to uh, the retreatment for patients. So so we'll continue to see that that um, as an element of growth. Um, great. On the Spravato side, um, have you started sort of formally marketing now as, as a service provision rather than so you've moved beyond the pilot? And then also, uh, is 10 clinics sort of the next, the culmination of your next stage of the rollout, or is that what you think is sort of appropriate for your overall national footprint? Hey, no, um, I, I would tell you that we, we continue to expand on that. 10 to 12 centers will not be our typical rollout across the country. I think with Spravato, you have to, it's a little bit different than TMS because those patients do not have to come on a daily basis. So therefore, um, as a convenience factor, they're willing to travel a little further. So I think from our end, kind of developing that service platform, you're going to look to have uh, as a number somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 plus centers. Eventually, there are centers of excellence, if not more, that can handle both the Spravato and expanded service platform at those locations. Um, so we'll continue to ramp up. In this next phase, um, what I tell you, it's still part of a pilot, although uh, we'll continue to expand, and that is we'll like to learn more things such as the potential to utilize nurse practitioners or even kind of moving towards uh, buy, and bill, buy and bill methodology from a re regulatory standpoint. Um, but we'll, we will kind of limit the marketing, um, but we will start opening up the gates a little bit on that marketing, including our kind of boots on the ground uh, and potential DTC. Okay. And then just the last one from here. Uh, are you still targeting 140 centers either open for business or in development this year? Yes. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks very much. Your next question comes from the line of David Newman with this Jordan. Hey David, and uh, welcome hey, back, Ernst. Good to see you back in the back in the seat. <laughs> Thanks, David. Uh, appreciate that. So, I guess in terms of just the capital, um, you noted in the, in the release that you have about two months two months of capital um, overall. So, I'm sure you can't actually disclose what your your plans are, but um, I guess you're looking at a range of alternatives. Is that is that, is that am I sort of glean that how you're looking at things? Given yeah, I, I, they, markets and all, and all. Yeah, I, I think you know we're we're in the process of addressing our cash requirements, really to fuel our you know ongoing operations and growth. Um, as you know, the market was quite turbulent last week, yeah. we, uh, which obviously isn't conducive to pricing a deal. Um, as such, we decided not to price the financing last week, and we will be discussing more appropriate timing with our board and banking advisors. You know, a good thing for us is we're fortunate to have strong shareholder support from investors that are partnered with us for long-term success. So we're reviewing all of our options as we speak. Okay. Um, and then in, in terms of the, the milestones that uh, your lender was looking for for, the, for access to the delayed draw, any, any indications of what they were looking for? Because it seems like a fairly short turnover. They, you know, the, the financing was the end of last year, and, and then, then these milestones to, to, to get access to it. Anything that you can disclose, or is it just confidential? It is confidential, and, and quite frankly, we weren't expected to hit those milestones in 2022. Um, so I, I would tell you at this point, no need to discuss them. Okay. And, and in terms of, you're pretty sound, pretty confident, Bill, that things could be sorted out here. You can hit your 140. I, thought, I think the 140 target was for mid-year, right, if I'm not mistaken. And any other calls in cash that you've got other than the earnout, which is I think 4.4 million due on June 30th, 
Any other uh, any other calls in cash for the first part of the year? No, that that's the main kind of short term obligation we we have for the first time. You you correct in that? Okay, and I did notice, guys, that the um, in the the provision for adjustment for variable consideration did decline Q over Q from 3.2 to 1.2. So it seems like the taps are beginning to reverse here, or it's beginning to reverse reversal of the provision. So it seems like you're getting through the statewide credentialing and COVID related payer processing and and communication and things like that. Um, maybe just a, a status update on on the credentialing and when you expect that that adjustment to uh, to wane or you know obviously reverse in total. Yeah, Dave, thanks for pointing that out. Um, yeah, as we said on the last call, we expected that the work we done had done in 2020 would start to show. Uh, start to trend downwards. Uh, we were really pleased at what happened in Q1 in terms of seeing some of that focus we put on in the billing area really come to fruition. Significant decline compared to where we were in, in Q4. Um, and we do expect that to continue to kind of level out during the course of the year, which gets us back to normalized rates. Um, and as we said, there's been no change in, in any reimbursement rates. It's still strong and as expected. Okay. So it sounds to me like if you're getting great indicators coming out right now, and you can and you can get your 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 payer situation all straighted straightened out, that the cash conversion should start to look quite good as we get into the back half of the year. Am I am I reading the tea leaves wrong? That's absolutely correct. As you, as as Bill alluded to, we had over 20% kind of um, adjustment for variable consideration in Q4 that came down to about 9% in Q1. We expect that to level off as we go through 2021. Um, and also, um, the, the improvements that we made in our billing, billing procedures um, would, would increase kind of or shorten the cash conversion cycle. So absolutely, um, we, we expect that to, to really yield results as we in the latter half of the year. Excellent. And last one for me, guys, just on the marketing spend, it came in around $2 million. Um, what's, what's your view? Is this a new level of sort of marketing spend, spend that we should expect, or should that decline and normalize uh, through time? What's your kind of marketing? I mean, great that you're putting, putting it on because obviously you want to monetize the environment, which is obviously you know, not great for mental health, but great for you guys in terms of the outlook. So what, what's, your, what's your view on the marketing? So that's a very good question. Um, as I mentioned, we pulled forward um, a little bit of marketing to take advantage, I wouldn't say take advantage, but to capitalize on kind of the momentum that we had going into March 2021. Um, so you, you, you'd see that normalized through the uh, kind of our, our budget um, wasn't outsized. We, we just pulled forward a bit of marketing to, to really get the momentum going into Q, Q2 2021. Excellent. Thanks, guys. I'll jump back in the queue. Thanks, David. Your next question comes from the line of Marie Ewald, BTIG. Morning, Bill and Ernst. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, a question here on sort of looking forward, uh, maybe a two-parter question. March was a uh, near-record month. Um, would love to hear what you were seeing in the early part of this quarter, um, April, particularly given um, some of the reopening that's been happening here in the States. Um, and then as you look forward, you mentioned, you know, some opportunities uh, to expand, um, you know, opportunities that had been previously paused and delayed. Are there specific regions where you're looking to expand? Um, tell us how you're kind of thinking about the opportunities there. 
Great. Thanks, Marie, and great to hear you on the call. A um, couple things. Let's start with, uh, number one, what we're seeing. Uh, as we alluded to, when you have uh, a consultation number like we did, that really kind of gives you a chance to see that there's been a lot more momentum built up uh, from the patients in, in, our, in our marketing efforts, um, whether that's from kind of the vaccine now in play, whether that's a little bit of the pent-up demand for people getting out of the house, um, it was a trend line that was a record milestone for us, so we're excited about that as it leads into Q2. In terms of how we look in development, um, obviously uh, two key areas for us, both on an M&A front and on an organic basis. What we like to do is look for markets that we need to add density in, so some of our growth that we will um, kind of move forward with this year will be on areas that were new regions uh, that we'll add density to, and then the area with uh, potential opportunities that new regions that we really like uh, kind of higher reimbursement areas. So in 2019, we did a, um, had a wonderful acquisition with the Achieve Partners. Uh, there's plenty of rooms to expand in that marketplace that has uh, some gaps in our current centers, but also higher reimbursement rates. So I would say to you, majority of our development will come from newer regions or brand new locations that we currently are in that have a higher reimbursement area such as the California, the Northeast, areas like that we would focus on. All right. That's very helpful, Bill. Thank you. And then I guess a follow-up here on uh, maybe Spravato and some of the new indications. Um, first on Spravato, um, you know, what were you seeing in those, you know, first five or six pilot centers in terms of patient volume um, and maybe what competitors in the region were sort of um, doing in, in response to you being able to offer Spravato? Just curious whether that can be extrapolated um, as, as you add more centers. And then on new uh, indications, what are you seeing so far with uh, smoking cessation? I know it's very early days. Thank you. Yeah, I'll go backwards with that. Um, smoking, uh, look, we love when the manufacturers, Nor Nornetics and Brainsway, come out with new indications. It, it kind of proves the science of TMS therapy and potentially expands the scope uh, until there's reimbursement codes uh, attached to it, a little bit of less of demand. But uh, smoking uh, just got rolled out on April 29th, limited rollout of 10 centers. We're thrilled to be part of it in St. Louis, uh, but nothing to report yet. It's, real, it's too early in the process in terms of uh, any feedback to provide uh, on this call. Um, <clears throat> in terms of Spravato, um, we're, we're not getting pushback from our rollout, specifically in markets where we have a large uh, supporting community-based physicians uh, that are using Greenbrook as an extension of their own practice. Um, and what we really did like the findings was it allowed us to kind of capture a more sick patient uh, suffering from depression. It also allowed us to take non-responding patients from previous TMS uh, therapy experiences who really loved their experience at, TM at Greenbrook but, you know, did not respond well. We saw a majority of our patients come from that particular pipeline. Uh, so it was a great chance for us to increase the revenue for that patient and keep them in the uh, Greenbrook family. Um, so right now we're, uh, we like the fact that uh, our patients and our staff handle that Spravato patient in our centers. We'll continue to see patients come in for uh, Spravato that may end up in TMS, so there was a cross-referral uh, type situation. Uh, and we like the fact that it allows us to expand on our platform, um, especially in the world of TRD. So excited to kind of expand that out even further, and we'll continue to do so throughout the year. All right. Thank you for the time. I'll jump back in queue. Your next question comes from the line of Justin Hewood with Stiefel GMP. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. On the patient consultations that were up 52% uh, from last year, 
Are you able to characterize uh, the mix of the patients if they're coming from GTMS's referral network or direct efforts? And I'm also wondering if you're seeing any new types of patients uh, compared to prior uh, to the pandemic or any uh, key observations in the, what's driving that higher activity. Sure, Jeff. Um, in terms of where that patient's coming from, I would say to you that uh, the patients that come from the uh, physician offices that we've worked with in the past continues to be at a high rate. Um, we're also doing a really strong uh, job in the marketing area, creating a, casting a wider net on our direct assumer, especially that digital kind of emphasis. And in terms of like what that demographic looks like or that patient pipeline, I, I think with the positive momentum from the payers in terms of in some cases, kind of reducing the criteria to get in TMS therapy, we are starting to see a younger kind of group to get in. Normally, our kind of typical patient is somewhere between 37 to 54. Um, I would uh, you know, look at that as a Facebook crowd. But due to that criteria, kind of lowering the hurdles to get in, we're starting to see more of that 22 to 33 reach out. Um, that patient's been on less kind of medications, so they are starting to get interested in TMS and exploring options. That generation also kind of tends to explore other potential healthcare um, um, treatment modalities more so than that older generation. So um, we're starting to see a pickup in that younger demographic. Thank you. Interesting uh, trend there. And then first, Pravado on the buy and bill uh, versus administer and observe. Uh, just so I, I can clarify, would the buy and bill uh, be part of the expanded pilot, and also what would be the uh, relative economics, you know, assume there's an expanded billing option there? Yeah, so where possible from a regulatory perspective, we will explore buy and bill methodology, and this this could enhance the economics associated with the deliveries provado. Um, kind of administer and observe is kind of your entry point into that kind of billing area, and that is probably the most conservative approach in terms of it. Um, so you will see more favorable kind of economics um, when appropriate from a regulatory perspective with buy and bill. Okay. And then uh, just finally, in expanding the network from 128 clinics to 140, I assume that could be accomplished organically, uh, but are you seeing any uh, acquisition opportunities out there or any indication on uh, what some of the target uh, valuation multiples could be? Yeah, we've, we've talked about where, you know, in, in terms of our expansion, it will be a combination of both uh, organic and M&A. Uh, in our last disclosures, we did report that we've kind of set aside roughly $10.5 million uh, in terms of a potential acquisition or two. Um, so from an evaluation standpoint, uh, that's kind of where we are. Um, our last one uh, was done in a combination with um, a multiple off EBITDA and also kind of a cash stock deal. Uh, so there's opportunities there. I think the pandemic has increased that opportunity for us, and obviously we're thrilled to kind of be back in the game and kind of uh, heading back on that growth trajectory that we're normally used to. I think I think okay, adding to Paul there in terms of you're going to land, um, as we said, a president with the previous acquisition, you're going to land between kind of that six and seven times EBITDA multiple, um, hopefully closer to the six. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you for taking my questions. Thanks, Josh. Your next question comes from the line of Tanya Gonzalez, Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I think most of my questions have been asked already, so just a couple for me here. For those bravado pilots, as you're building this out now, I'm wondering if, I think to my knowledge, there were certain restrictions on 
uh, what parts of that patient dosing and experience you could actually control um, and what were left to the patient based on regulatory hurdles. As you expand this pilot, will you be taking on any more of that patient administration session in terms of responsibility? Yeah, in that, in that area, Tanya, that's where we'd kind of look at from a re regulatory perspective in terms of the uh, buy-and-bill methodology versus uh, administer-observe. Um, you're still going to have to have oversight there from a physician, um, but we, we, we would look to kind of uh, expand out when appropriate at some of our centers. Um, and then secondly, your, the marketing spend line item, are you shifting where these dollars are going? I think there was a bit of a transition earlier in 2020, uh, kind of away from uh, music radio to more news radio and TV. Are you, are you pivoting back to spending on those normalized channels? Uh, from, from our actual spend standpoint, it continues to be a mix of both the digital and um, kind of direct consumer via radio or, in some cases, uh, when appropriate, TV in certain marketplaces. But um, really, we leave that in the hands of our uh, chief marketing officer to determine what is best. Obviously, the, our dollars go a little bit further from a digital spend. that allows us to capture a wider range of patients and spread that net out further. Um, but the good thing is, you know, being having a live database, we're able to kind of see the results from those programs in real time, and we adjust accordingly based on what we're seeing in the marketplace and, and our results. Okay, great. Um, and then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Neuronetics is rolling out some kind of customer programs where they come in and help train the personnel at these delivery centers to, to better manage how these patients are captured and taken through the, uh, through the treatment process up until follow-up. Are any of the neuronetics personnel working in any or working with any of the personnel at your centers today? We work closely with neuronetics. Uh, I love what uh, Keith and the team are doing in terms of expanding the awareness by spending more dollars in the marketplace. Um, obviously, we believe we'll benefit from that based on uh, where our centers are and our number of devices kind of uh, installed throughout the U.S. Uh, we do work closely with the neuronetic teams, both on customized programs and utilize their new program in place uh, for marketing. Uh, that what you add there for us, um, we do a great job with it, but obviously with the two kind of uh, leaders kind of that can enhance a, a, a program, then we'll, we'll take all the support we can from them. But um, we're, we're, we're thrilled to be working closely with them as we expand the marketplace. Perfect. And, and that's broad. That's they're helping you across every center that you have, or are there just specific centers that it, it gets rolled out in? Yeah, I think from our standpoint, um, we love their help in, in new marketplaces to expand that awareness that hasn't already been there. So, for example, in D.C., where we have established, you know, roughly 15 to 18 centers in that D.C. Baltimore marketplace, we've created some awareness ourselves with Greenberg Awareness, um, probably less need in that area versus somewhere where we roll out a new program uh, and new centers like in a Florida market. So I would tell you uh, if we're going to work together, it's going to be on marketplaces that are relatively new with less awareness specifically for TMS and Greenbrook. Excellent. Thanks, Bill. And then just last one for me here. I think you touched already on M&A evaluations and what you're seeing in terms of landscape. Could you, um, could you talk to how the uh, differential between public and private valuations has changed over the course of the last couple months? I mean, yeah, I think from my end, 
I'll take it. Right. I think for I think for my end, um, obviously, uh, you know, we're comfortable in terms of what we uh, uh, what we acquired, achieved TMS for. I think there is some private equity kind of looking in the mental health space. Obviously, it's a marketplace that continues to grow, uh, continues to be underserved. Uh, I think there can be aggressive valuations in that in play. Uh, but the reality, we've competed against uh, private equity before, uh, and we're successful in our first acquisition out in California. Um, I, I, I think that will continue to be, uh, you know, a competitor to us in terms of not just um, other competitors looking, but in terms of the price point as well. I think it's sometimes it's not just providing a higher valuation. It's what additional service can you bring and what ex- expertise you already have in place that makes it more valuable to work with a Greenberg versus someone that's just coming into the marketplace. Good. I think adding to both. Adding to all that, so we position ourselves very well to be a consolidator of the market, and, and there's, there's a significant benefit for us to be the acquirer, especially if um, staff like in the Achieve West um, acquisition continues to stay in the business. So um, they like uh, working with a bigger platform. So we do compete against private equity, but we'll continue the, a very disciplined acquisition strategy. And as I mentioned to Justin, I think we're comfortable where, where that valuation came in for the Achieve West. Um, deal. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Aaron. That's all for me. Daniel? And there are no further questions at this time. Thank you to everyone for joining today. We look forward to updating you in the future, and, and obviously we're excited about uh, how the quarter ended and how we exited out. Uh, look forward to the next call coming up uh, in a couple months. Have a great day. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.